Alright, here we go. Take one. <laughs> Substance abuse is a worldwide issue that has hit every country in one way or another. You know, it's estimated according to the World Drug Report that was released in 2020 by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime that around 269 million people used drugs worldwide in 2018. And it's estimated that around 107 million people worldwide fit the criteria for alcohol use disorder, with probably about 14.5 million of those being in the United States. What does it look like in other areas of the world? Well, we're going to find out today, and we're going to meet a woman that is across that great Atlantic Ocean. Her name is Janie Lean Grace. Please stay tuned. My name is Eric McCoy, and this is that podcast that promotes highness by bringing that word, and we're trying to bring that word into the realm of reality as high comes from within us, not drugs or alcohol. And so as the name fits, let's get high, but I'm going to do it clean today. You know, sobriety refers to a decision that we make to stay away from alcohol, but also in the context of the recovery world today, we also use it interchangeably with I guess, any substance use. You know, the reasons why people make this decision varies across the board. And as a counselor in the industry, I'm always curious on those reasons because that's when we're looking at motivation and motivation will literally make you or break you. Whatever brought you to that decision is perfect. In the beginning, you know, as we always say, whatever brought you in, great. But as I've said many times that, People get sober because of what they do not want, but people stay sober because of what they do want. You know, my decision today to stay off of drugs and alcohol have nothing to do with not wanting to go to prison or not wanting to lose my family or not wanting to lose my health. My decision today is because I want to be happy. I want to be secure. You know, I want to be stable. Since all, since all of those don't want, they no longer exist. You know, I'm not facing prison. I'm not facing the loss of my family or my health. Although I would quickly face that pain again if I did use. But today, 
none of that stuff is real. You know, just as I could say that I wish I had that, or I wish I had this, you know, the woulda, coulda, shoulda's, right? That is me stepping outside of reality. What is real is what I do have. I do not live in regrets, but I, I, today I live in gratitude. I live in appreciation. And I can also say it actually feels a lot better too. You know, as this podcast has brought about new friends all over the United States and Canada, today we're even going to go a bit further, which I'm kind of excited about. I was thinking earlier about my drug use and how the world was very small. You know, it was really tiny during those days. Orange County, California was my entire world. But, you know, obviously I didn't know there was something more. But I didn't care because there was no purpose in my life to look beyond anything further than Orange County, which is a, honestly, for people that know California, is a very small county within the state of California. Uh, it's only about 790 square miles. Now, I now live in Los Angeles County, which is probably about four times that size. And I live even next to San Bernardino County, which is our largest county at over 20,000 square miles. Uh, thing about San Bernardino County, though, is there's a lot less people that even live there than Orange County, because a lot of it is just a lot of empty desert. <laughs> but uh, so in these days of being clean and clear headed and actually doing productive things, the world has become a lot larger. And today we're going to get to go to the UK. Janie Lee Grace is an author. She's a commentator and is the popular holistic co-host on Steve Wright in the afternoon on BBC Radio 2. She's the author of five books on holistic living, including the number one Amazon bestseller in Perfectly Natural Women, and currently writes columns for, I guess, a lot of magazines and runs training workshops and consultations on media breakthrough for holistic businesses. Now, everything I see about Janie through my research is a very busy woman. She hosts a podcast called Alcohol-Free Life. She's given a TED Talk, which I, is called Sobriety Rocks. Who knew? Love that. And she runs the Sober Living Club, inspiring others to focus on optimum health and well-being that is underpinned by sobriety. And her newest book is Happy, Healthy, Sober, Ditch the booze and take control of your life. Again, I love that name too. Janie, I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. Thank you. It's absolutely lovely to be with you. Really appreciate it. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I am always curious on what happened that sort of pushed you to make the decision to get sober. Mm. Well, you see, you already mentioned that I was queen of holistic living, you know, and what I mean by that is I was passionate about health and well-being. So I ate the right food. I put only skincare, uh, skincare, you know, without chemicals. And I was encouraging everyone else to live like this. And I had a very busy website and I was working with lots of brands and I was really talking about it the whole time, everything to do with health and well-being. And yet... I was stepping around this massive elephant in the room that was alcohol. Somehow, in my mind, that didn't count because everyone did it, right? Everyone drinks. And that was just my little imperfectly natural secret, you know, and it didn't matter. Um, and I wore it almost like a badge of honor. And that went on for years, years and years. And I 
genuinely thought that it 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 fitted it was perfectly fine it juxtaposed against my healthy living and it was all good um and it wasn't until you know i realized that actually um I was feeling really anxious. I was waking at 3 a.m. pretty much every day, hating myself. Um, and it took a long time for me to admit it to myself. That's the reality. Um, when I finally started to realize, hold on, there's something going on here. There's a voice in my head telling me at 3 a.m., this is not okay. This doesn't fit with who you are. You're not meant to be doing this. You're not meant to be poisoning yourself every day if you care about health. There's something really wrong. Once I realized that, there was still an awful long time before I knew how to do anything about it. And so you were drinking during that time with all the holistic stuff, because obviously, you know, like you look at how damaging alcohol is to our skin. Mm, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I feel blessed that I got thrown clear, quite honestly. I don't know how much longer it would have carried on. I mean, I was eating well and I was having the right supplements. And so all things being equal, I probably did a bit of damage limitation. Um, but that wouldn't have been forever, you know. Um, and I was definitely noticing um, some, you know, some ill effects. And I and, you know, I remember in addition to the waking up at 3 a.m. and starting to feel anxious, I was pretty bloated. I didn't have a lot of energy. And I remember being terrified of getting older. Um, I mean, there aren't many women who kind of love the whole idea, but I remember kind of looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, hell, this is nothing is going to get better. Everything is going to go south and I've got nothing to look forward to. And just I remember feeling really quite desperate about getting older. And, and, and at that point, I was thinking, well, what could I do? Maybe I could, you know, have Botox, but that didn't fit with my natural kind of living. You know, maybe I could go on a diet. Well, yeah, but you put the weight back on. Maybe I could do a boot camp. No, too lazy. I never once thought, you know what? I could ditch the booze. And then, then I'd find the best anti-aging secret there ever is. Um, but it took a lot of years before I had that realization. So I teach at a school and I teach, you know, for people that are working to become substance abuse counselors. And so one of the, the topics we do study uh, physiological effects and pharmacology. And it's funny because when we get into the alcohol part, um, there are a couple of videos that I show and they're actually from the UK and in terms of the, the amount of drinking that actually goes on out there. Um, and so is that, is that something that really is a problem out there? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I always find it interesting when we look at the differences between, um, you know, the US and the UK in terms of drinking. I mean, number one, you guys start later, right? Because, well, I mean, I, I, that's probably a generalization, but you do at least have your law that it's 21, isn't it, when you can drink? Is it 21? It Whereas is. in the UK, you see it's younger. So typically, people would would start drinking at you know, 15, 16, and then it's fully legal by the time they're 18. So typically I think we start younger, which is a problem in itself. Um, and then you really do have in the UK, the pub culture. You know, it's, it's, it's a really big thing. And it's, and it's a kind of rite of passage, you know, like as soon as you become old enough to, to go and, you know, have a pint in the pub, that's what every boy will do, right? Um, and, and over the years, it's become a thing for women too. And it's been 
very much become part of the uh, mummy wine culture thing. I, I'm sure you have that going on in the States too. Um, but yeah, we're really, really big drinkers in the UK. Of course, over lockdown, oh my goodness, it's, I mean, escalated massively. I mean, really massively. Yeah, and we've found that here too. I mean, our like if you, if you step into the drug problem here, I mean, the overdose yeah. rate has just skyrocketed during this time. Wow. Suicide rates have yeah. skyrocketed, you know, especially with our youth. Yeah. Um, it's sad. It's been, it's been really, really bad, yeah. you know, what's been happening yeah. here. Um, and I, you know, I know with, you know, I've never been to the UK. I'd love to go sometime. Um, but uh, I know with a lot of European countries, it's the same idea. You know, I'm, you know, as far as drinking age, younger mm, uh, people mm. drink for breakfast, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, some, some do. Yeah. I think actually there was a study done recently and actually I think, was it Hungary comes out number one as the biggest drinkers and the UK are about number 16. So we've got a little way to go before we're on the top spot, but nevertheless, we're big drinkers. It's, it's very much part of, of what we do. It's, it's like the social glue that sticks everything together, you know? So whether it's a, you know, a baby shower or a play date or a wedding or a party or a freshers week, or, you know, just, just because it's a Tuesday, um, alcohol is always there it's literally like that social glue so you know when people make a decision that they're they're going to stop one of the things that I think really freaks them out is well how will I ever have fun again how will I ever fit in who will my friends accept me what will I do if I can't drink at a you know if I can't take champagne or whatever to a party how am I how am I going to survive it's it's a real fear people have a real fear because it's so ingrained it's so the dumb thing you know I mean I've got um three uh three boys and, and and a girl but and when I tried to buy a birthday card recently for my son who was 21 I couldn't believe it I scoured the shelves every single birthday card had a picture of a pint of beer on it you know or some champagne yeah. the, the link between celebration and fun and drinking is massive and so since you've been sober now, you got three years, right? Is that three and a bit? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I know since you've gotten sober, obviously this has been a big fight for you. I mean, this is a mm. big message that you've really been putting out and I know, and I love the name of your last book, uh, mm. ditch the booze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy, healthy, life. sober, ditch the booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I have this real thing where I don't call it giving up. I won't call it giving up because my belief is we're not giving anything up. So I, I won't even let anyone use that phrase because we're not giving anything up. We're only gaining. So I call it ditching the booze, you know, choosing to be alcohol free. Um, it's, it's absolutely not, but for me, focusing on what you're not doing. It's totally focusing on what you are and how much better your life is going to become. Absolutely. And that's the premise, you know, of what I'm trying to do here too is, uh, you know, I, we're not giving up getting high. We're yeah. just, we're just, we're doing it in a way that's going to last for us. You know, I could go out on drugs and I could do that immediate gratification. Oh, great. I'm, I have all this pleasure. I feel high, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's going to eventually destroy it. It's going to destroy the ability. So if I want to stay high the rest of my life, clean and sober is the only way it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love your name too. It's fantastic. It's, it's, to, you know, it's all about that positivity, isn't it? Because, you know, the interesting thing is when, when you're in, in the early stages of this, certainly for me, I didn't know that that was possible. I, all I could think to myself was, well, oh my goodness, I, I, I have to stop. I, something has to change here. Um, how am I ever going to 
have fun ever again? How am I ever going to feel okay ever again? Um, and no, pretty much no one was telling me at that point, you know what? Life is going to be so fantastic. No one was telling me that. In fact, if I did ever share my concerns with therapists or doctors, they would usually kind of try and help me find a way to integrate the alcohol into my life, but not make it too much. You know, oh, well, just have one or have an alcohol free day in between and then it'll all be good. You know, what they needed to say to me was, wow, I'm so glad you've come to this realization and your life can be fantastic now. <laughs> you know, well done you for, get, for, for catching sight of it. Nobody ever talks about that. And we almost settle. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you kind of, you know, you get all wrapped up in, you know, whether it be drugs or alcohol and uh, you just, you feel like, okay, this is it. I'm just going to settle. Yeah. You know, it's like people getting jobs and they just get stuck that, okay, this is just what I do, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you don't really have that realization. I found, you know, for me that, you know, like I, if I look back when I was a kid, you know, and it, you know, before I got into the drugs and the alcohol, you know, I had, I found fun doing so many different things. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I lost all that. And now today I can go back and I can realize that I can have fun in all of those normal everyday activities that I used to, it's almost like that, you know, we got to become a kid again. I know. I love that. And, and that I think was the biggest surprise for me that I, I hadn't, I just had not realized how far away from the real me I, I, I had become. I'd really become quite insulated and quite anxious. And if you'd have said to me, you know, back then, the word joy, I, I really wouldn't have known what it meant. You know, that's something that maybe you talk, sing about in church, right? Or maybe little children have, but I didn't know what the word meant really. And it wasn't until I was, you know, a few months sober that I, I, I suddenly got it. I had this kind of feeling of being content and happy that I don't think I'd had since I was a kid. And it, it's, it's, it's really true. And no one tells you that. No, one, it's, it's, you know, like the fabulous book title, sadly not mine, but the best book title ever, you know, the unexpected joy of being sober, because it really is an unexpected joy. And I remember in my, um, I run a community called the Sober Club, as you mentioned. And I remember one woman that I was coaching told me that she had been sober just for a I don't know, 10 days or something. And we had snow. It was in the, uh, in the winter. And we don't get snow every year in the UK. So it's still quite a thing. And she said it was a Sunday morning and, um, and she was asleep in bed and her, her little boy kind of ran in at like 6.30 a.m. And, and, and said, mum, 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 quick, quick. You know, there's, there's snow in the, in the back garden. There's, the snow's deep. And, and she said in that moment, she felt excited with him and she was able to jump up and pull on her boots over her pajamas and go out and play in the snow. But two weeks before, that would have been a case of pull the covers over your head and yeah, off you go, do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really about that, you know, changing kind of the way we view the world, how we look at things, you know, and, and again, switching, you know, like I'm, I have a book called, you know, pain, failure and misery starts out negative are the stepping stones to success. Right. You know, and uh, and that was really that concept is that, you know, um, you know, for me, you know, I was dragged through the depths of hell and all that kind of stuff. And that just sort of paved the way for the success and enough pain for me to really take a stand and do something. You know, failure doesn't exist unless we give up. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and I do think that, you know, what you said at the beginning of this is so true that we um, we 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 often start with what we want to get away from, what we 
know we need to stop doing, right? But then it becomes not about what we don't want anymore. It becomes about what we do want. And, and it really is that transition when you can when you can suddenly catch sight of that better life, you know, without without booze. That's when it really gets exciting. And that's the people that make it in this. Mm. You know, the people that really make this are the ones that focus on goals, dreams, what I want in my life, you know, the positive things in my life. Mm. And uh, and that's what excites us. You know, yeah. out of all the clientele that I've worked with over the years, those are the ones, you know, and I mean, obviously we could say, you know, I mean, how do you stay sober? You just don't drink, right? It's that simple, you know, if, in that definition, but how do you find the happiness, the enjoyment, yeah. you know, the things that are going to make it worthwhile? You know, I look at mm -hmm. some people that are just miserable sober and I, mm -hmm. I kind of, my mind goes, I just, you might as well just get loaded. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I find, I do find it really interesting. I, I find that very frustrating actually when i come across people who um particularly if they're in the public eye you know if they're celebrities in the uk there's one or two celebrities who are um sober because well certainly the way they talk about it is they have to be right they have to be they can't have a drink they really want to but they can't and we're meant to feel sorry for them you know i don't want to hear that message i'm sorry but that's nonsense as far as i'm concerned just just be quiet that's of no interest and of no value because there is nothing to gain from alcohol. They're not missing out on anything. What they really need to be doing is not gritting their teeth and focusing on the misery, but actually looking at how much better life without the booze is. And of course, if you focus on what you can't have, your little inner toddler is going to get really upset and say, well, that's not fair. Um, so focus on what you can have, because in any case, why would anyone want to consume poison <laughs> like uh, why <laughs> yeah and that true definition though i mean you know they can drink i mean that's i mean reality being you know people are like yeah. i can't but you can you can you yeah. can go out and drink any day yeah you know? and that's where the the i choose to stay sober i get exactly to stay sober, you know exactly and that's freeing that sounds like i mean you know I th every time i think of like have to have to have to that mm, sucks mm, that's yeah. like being being in prison yeah <laughs> so your book okay so you got a new book out um mm. and what what is it uh what is it about and, and what is was your uh what was your purpose behind it yeah so it's called happy healthy sober and um i i wanted to you know share a bit of my story but what i really wanted to do was encourage people to to focus on exactly what we've been talking about the fact that uh, you're not giving anything up, you're only gaining. And actually, if we focus on optimum health and self-care and mindset and just living our best lives, um, it's underpinned by that sobriety piece. So, you know, actually, the, the not drinking part of the book is relatively small. There is a section on, on you know, some really good ways to, to get through those early weeks and months, which can be tough, and how to balance the brain chemistry with good nutrition. But then after that, it's, it's a lifestyle book. And, and there's, I've got some great contributors. So, we, you know, there's lots on nutrition and fitness and mindset and meditation and yoga and creativity and finding your purpose and on and on, really. Um, because, you know, I think I said before, I'm, I'm really passionate about looking at the holistic picture. I think it's pointless if you just decide to eat right or you just want to be an eco-warrior or you only meditate. Actually, you do have to look at the whole. You have to look at the mind, body, spirit, really. Um, and so when you, when you 
ditch the booze from that place you can be the real you you can actually claim back that sort of authentic you and from there um that's when people start to get excited about getting healthy or finding their purpose I, I've met so many people who had been made really small by the drinking you know all the drugs and and once they ditch that um it's almost like the world completely opens up for them so what did you do specifically early on? You got sober. And what were the things that you put in place for yourself? Um, you know, some people obviously go to 12-step meetings. Um, you know, was that something you did or? No, no, that didn't resonate with me at all. Um, uh, I, I have never um, considered myself um, alcoholic. Um, I think we have a, a, a different perception in the UK, interestingly enough. I had a conversation with somebody else from the States, and that's a word that I think probably you use quite a lot in the States, but it's not used as much in the UK. For us, um, certainly my perception was that, you know, if, if you're at rock bottom and you can't function and you're clinically dependent, then you may need uh, rehabilitation services or 12-step programs. But if you are what I now know to be the term a gray area drinker that means you drink more than you want to but if you're functioning um then I, I genuinely believe you can stop you can make the choice um but you need to support yourself or you know and get connected ideally so that's exactly what I did I recognized early on that um you know, there wasn't a, there was no physical thing going on within a few days, the alcohol has left my body. So it's a case of putting back really good nutrients and getting my head in order, right? Choosing my thoughts, getting connected with the right people, making sure that I was putting the self-care in place. Um, because usually when people are drinking, they don't like themselves very much. Um, I certainly didn't. I certainly couldn't meditate or anything like that because I, I didn't like being with myself. So that's something I had to learn. Yeah, you're right. You know, that I mean, there are different levels of, of drinkers, you know, um, I personally think that, you know, if you, if you reach a place where you define it to be a problem, then it's a problem with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's fantastic. You know, I mean, alcohol, you know, alcohol is is only one of two classifications of drugs that withdrawal can kill you. Yeah, you know, um, so I mean, people that become tissue dependent upon it, they definitely can't stop straight away some yeah, kind absolutely. of medical intervention of course yeah um, but I honestly give you even more credit in that aspect because um, you know most people out there you know they for the people that really delve into substance abuse they have to go really really far you know the the concept of hitting bottom mm. that's that's how every far you want to go you know mm. And I don't really think anybody's ever truly hit bottom until you're lying in a grave. Mm. I mean, well, you can exactly. always go lower. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but, but isn't, it, isn't it great when more people are talking about this and the work that you're doing and the stuff I'm doing with the Sober Club and so many other people, so many more people can get off what I call the booze elevator before it gets to the bottom. You know, you don't have to wait till things are terrible before you stop off if you catch sight of that better life, right? That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? And that's the bit that not enough people are talking about. Yeah. I love that because that is the key. I mean, that's the goal. If you can avoid having yeah. to go that far down to finally wake up and do something, 
um, that's where it's very empowering, you know, it'll, and it also will be a little easier to a yeah. certain extent because, you know, you don't have to go through those intense detox, horrific life-threatening DTs and, yeah. <laughs> you know, things yeah. that people have to go to. Um, but yeah, that is, that's, that's fantastic. You know, you made a decision. That's kind of what I was saying in the beginning, you know, it's a decision yeah. that we make that, yeah. okay, this is a problem and now I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think for many of us, you know, the reality is we probably make that decision a lot of times, Um, but then we go back on it, of course. Um, But, you know, I do think that um, something clicks. I've found this with sober club members. They'll sometimes they'll go around the block a few times. Um, But if you keep keep yourself inspired, if you listen to podcasts, if you pick up some quitlet, if you just catch enough little nuggets of this happy, healthy, sober life, um, which is why it's so important that we do, we do this work, right? If enough people catch sight of enough bits, then there'll come a time when it clicks. Mm-hmm. And then, then when you make that commitment, okay, that really is it. That was my last day one. End of. And that's what I like to show. I like to show the, you know, that, I mean, people have had problems, but look at them today. Yeah. Look at where they are today. They're, they're they own businesses, you know, mm. they're, they're doing big things. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, that excites me. I know it is brilliant. How, how many years clean are you? Um, are I'm you... coming up on seven years. Wow. Okay. You know, what I really love is, is how, and when I was in my first year, I remember thinking, you know, cause you're, always a little bit fragile in that first year because you're going through all the first you know the first party you go to and your first birthday and your first holiday and all those things that you've got to navigate and then I was thinking oh I wonder if when I get to a year it won't feel I know I feel flat it won't feel exciting anymore it won't feel like it's anything new and wow I was just amazed it gets better every single year I'm sure you'll agree and what I really love is seeing you know when celebrities um, uh, 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 banging on about being like 34 years sober. I just love it because it's, it's still a thing, mm. you know? And I remember thinking, well, when, when is it not a thing anymore then? Well, never, because it's the most important thing you'll ever do for your health and well-being. So it's always going to be a thing, you know? And I love it when you get Elton John saying, oh, I've just had a massive birthday cake, you know, for my 34 years or whatever it is. It is and um you know it's, it's brilliant isn't it the anthony hopkins recently did that yeah, didn't he yeah. did, did a did a fabulous video about 30 years, many I, think, years. So, I, think I think it was more than that, more so, than that yeah. but yeah just just amazing just just talking about how the gratitude that he feels um it's that's that's what i really love it's it's this it's always a thing um so 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 how can anyone who's at the beginning of this journey not be inspired by that yeah. The fact that someone still wants to talk about it after 34 years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to, I'll say something real quick too. So I did have 11 years. Okay. And, and uh, I did relapse. Um, and, you know, it was my life during those 11 years were just the most amazing ever. You know, um, I did, I got into the industry. I loved working with people. I became counselor. I became program director, executive director. I owned my program. Um, and I lost my passion 
And this was an interesting thing that happened because, um, you know, I had a glimpse of stupidity or insanity, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm. that, that all of a sudden I was like, I could just take one hit, you know, meth was my drug of choice mm. um, and uh, completely insane, you know, and I, and I really look back and I think like, just like you're saying, it's almost like, how could you make that decision? And it really just kind of came to me that it was, you know, I lost my passion for, for a, a moment there. Um, and luckily with having all of those years and that experience, um, I was able to pull myself out after about six months. Mm. Um, I went through a crazy six months and, um, and then I was able to pull myself back out of it. Um, and, and I actually, you know, as again, we kind of talk about this idea that, you know, we can turn things into positives. And yeah. that's what I always try to do. You know, a lot of people in recovery sort of think like, oh, my God, you lost everything. You know, you gave it, you know, kind of thing. I didn't, you know, yeah. I didn't lose anything. I, I mean, I, I lost the days, sure, but I didn't lose all the knowledge I had, all the experience I had, all that yeah. stuff still there. Um, and, and then I also even took it a step further and I, I became grateful that I had that yeah. experience because, yeah. you know, now I can go out and I can talk to people, you know, and, you know, so for, because sometimes what people do is they start to rationalize that, well, you know what, it'll be different this time. I can yeah, exactly. It. I've got this now. I can you know? moderate. Yeah. I'm older. I'm smarter. You know, I, I and uh, I can attest to the fact that, you know, for me specifically, because I don't do well with putting things in my body that alter my central nervous system because yeah. I will do all of it. I will do every bit you have um, because I always think that it can always get better, bigger, 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 right? Which eventually it starts working against that. <laughs> but, um, but I, but I can attest to that, you know, I can attest and I get an opportunity to tell people that that is, it does not work. You know, I'll tell people, you know, that look, you know, I've experienced it. Let me have taken it. I, I have now have lessons. You don't have to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I did it for you. Um, and it doesn't work. And so that's why, you know, for me, um, I, I am also a very positive person and I work mm. to, to always look at things optimistically to view the goods in thing, you know, in the things yeah. that, that happen. And so that's kind of where I got with it. But, um, but it, that is a very interesting question though. You know, it's like, how could you, you know, all of these great things happen to you and yeah. And, and, uh, but I, I, my mind went in a weird direction for a moment there mm. <laughs> and luckily I, also, I survived. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I do think that, um, this is where uh, you know the power of, of connection is really important actually I think sometimes if you if you go it alone um, it can be really difficult you know we need you know if you you know the analogy of, of, of coals you need you need other coals to burn right um, and I think it too much isolation um, is not necessarily a good thing so being connected with with like-minded people I think can really help keep you on track I think we have to stay inspired um and and you know if we do too much retreating back into ourselves then we can tell ourselves all kinds of nonsense whereas actually sometimes you just need somebody who's got your back um to say you know what don't even think about that <laughs> that's, that's not going to be good yeah and that's everybody i mean we want we want in our life we want those supporters care for us that got our yeah. back that love us that are that are never going to lead us astray you know and uh but i agree i mean talking about it is so important. I mean, I even go as far as, 
you know, when, you know, if you got parents that have lost their kids, you know, that died as a result of overdose and things like that, it would be just awesome for these people to come forward and to talk about it and tell their stories. They don't have to allow their kids to die in vain, you know, as a, as a result. And I, and fortunately I know a lot of people that do a good friend of mine, Jody Barber. She, she, uh, uh, did a couple of documentaries overtaken and overtaken too. Her son died at, at 19 years old on their couch at home. They had to wow. find him, you know, in the middle of the night. And, uh, uh, but she became one of the greatest advocates, you know, um, a lot of it had to do with the overprescribing of medications by doctors, um, which has led to a lot of this problem for a lot of people. But, um, but she's a huge advocate. She's out there fighting. She's speaking. She goes out and talks about it. Um, her son, her son, we can look at, you know, things positively, you know, her son has saved thousands of lives. And I know, you know, by that experience, you know, is why do bad things happen to good people? We don't always know the answer to that, but Mm. there may be good in all of it, Mm. you know? Um, yeah. So are you guys seeing a lot of overdoses out there too? Uh, there's, um, there's been a lot of suicide. There's been an increased number of suicide. I my, is my understanding, you know, it's not the area I work in, but I've, I've seen, I've seen stuff about that. Um, I mean, it's been really difficult in, you know, over the last however many months in the UK with undiagnosed illnesses with, you know, people, I mean, I, I, I wonder where it will end, you know, the fallout, we just, we don't actually know the final fallout from this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, a lot of people have started drinking a lot more and earlier, you know, and, and at home, of course. Um, and, and as things open up, you know, if they do, um, they're going to be, it's going to be tough habits for people to break. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, it, for some people, it's, it's been good in the sense that they, they, caught sight of something and they stopped drinking during lockdown so they've been in their slightly protective bubble um and they've and they've managed to quit the booze over this period so there has been some good news stories sure so your podcast uh alcohol free life yeah and is that what is that that's uh yeah so i that's um i started that um when i was uh i think just a yeah, just a year sober. So it's been going for two and a bit years now. Um, and, and really, I started it because podcasts for me were what kept me inspired. Um, I didn't have much connection at the beginning. I didn't really know anybody who was sober. So I, I, I knew I needed to stay inspired. And so podcasts were what did it for me. And when I felt I'd kind of exhausted <laughs> most of the ones that I was listening to, I thought, you know, I'm a presenter, I you know, work in radio, I've got access to a lot of great experts. And also a lot of the stuff I do around health and well-being would tie in really nicely, you know, with, with this whole sobriety piece. So why don't I just start my own? And um, and so I did. And, and I had no idea whether it would, I would just do one episode and then never do another one. Um, but it proved to be really successful because um, I get great guests, you know, though I say so myself, you know, quick lit authors and experts and cover just so many different topics, all kind of underpinned by the sobriety piece. Um, and, and I make it very accessible for, for everyone. So if you're just sober curious, that's fine. And if you've been sober for years, that's fine too, because we're, we're talking about 
all different elements, you know, the same way that my book is about all different angles, everything to do with optimum health and well-being. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a labor of love, as I'm sure yours is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, and I, too, I mean, I've had fantastic guests on the show and, you know, similar kind of thing, actors, you know, musicians, authors. Um, and and some of my favorite are just those uh, normal people out yeah, there. Yeah, you know, sharing that, their story have fantastic stories, powerful stories, you know, that have been through a lot and, and, uh, and we're able to step out of it, stand up and have their heads held high and, you know, and are willing to share their experiences. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, as we always kind of say, even if I just help one person, then it was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's just that one little nugget, isn't it? That, that, people are ready to hear at that moment you know and you're right some of the some of the interviews that I've done it's some of the most the ones that you would not think would be the ones that would land um, have made such a massive difference because someone just shares something that's happened to them in their life and how they dealt with it and it's so inspirational and it gives other people so much hope and courage because there is that element of well you know what if she can do that I can do that um, and, and, and really that's it, isn't it? We, we, we love it when we can, when we, when we can see people who've gone before us and, and, um, and, you know, it really is a case of if you can, if you can see it, you can go after it. Yeah. One of my, you know, the premises that I really like is, um, you know, drugs and alcohol. It's about learning to live in a world where it's at and not have to do it ourselves. Yeah. You know, and that's cause alcohol is everywhere. You know, here in the United States, you know, we got our federal government that's always reduced supply, reduced supply. I can go online and I can buy drugs. I can go, you know, I I can go get anywhere. It's not, it's not stopping. It's always there, but I don't have to use it today, you know, Mm. Um, and, uh, and I get to enjoy life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and all the, all the extra time that we have, which is amazing. And all, and as you say, you know, the way that you've seen people, um, sort of blossom and grow in their lives and start businesses and find their passion. That's, that's the thing that I, I, I didn't know that about that, you know, but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? When you're not kind of dumbing everything down and dulling your senses with booze and drugs, of course, you're going to be able to find your mojo to, uh, to do what you want to do. Now you mentioned uh, the sober club Mm. and the, so the sober club is, it's a, it's a platform, um, a community, if you like. It's, so it's effectively a website and there's some kind of blog posts and various bits and pieces. And then people can join as a member. So there's a small monthly fee. And, and for that, there's so much content that's constantly being added. So I, I have, you know, everything on there from, um, you know, meditation, audios and hypnosis stuff. And there's whole, loads of stuff about nutrition and all the different aspects of health and well-being and lots of different experts. And then we have sort of Zoom meetups. And again, I bring in experts on different topics. Um, and in addition, there's a, a kind of private um, community, private uh, Facebook group where we everyone supports each other. And the thing about it is that it's completely non-judgmental. Um, and, and everyone is inspiring everyone else. And, it, you know, it's that thing that happens in sobriety, doesn't it, where... You know, just because you've you're a few years sober uh, doesn't mean you don't want to help someone else and and share your experience. 
Um, so there's always something to learn and, and always something to gain and, and give back. So it, it, it works really, really well. It's a really lovely community. It's quite small. It's not one of those kind of big, big ones where people get lost. It's really quite, um, quite intimate in there. I think the real power we find is that altruism. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. You become so much more kind. Don't you think people become more kind when they're sober? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be a much nicer world <laughs> if more people were? Because we we genuinely do um, increase our empathy and, and and increase our kindness, and we become just just so much more aware of what other people are going through, and um, and 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 want to reach out and have that connection. It's really true. Yeah, putting our hand out. Yeah, not, not pulling it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh now you have uh obviously been in the sort of the entertainment industry for you were a singer. I, yeah. I read a, yeah. Read a, yeah, I was a pop singer for years, um a backing singer for a lot of years. I did all the tours with Wham and George Michael and um yeah, I worked with a lot of big bands. Um so yeah, I, I absolutely had my years of uh, you know, rock and roll as it were. Um so yeah, drugs and alcohol were, were very available. I mean, I do find it interesting because people often talk about specific industries as being, um, you know, uh, the industry where most people drink. I'm not absolutely sure that's true because, you know, the more I look into this, the more I think that every industry drinks, actually. Uh, we tend to think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just the media. But actually, if you look at the medical profession, certainly in the UK, I mean... <laughs> drinking is rife if you look at the teaching profession again um so i actually think it's everywhere it's just that you hear more about it in the media because it's all seen as um so much more uh, flamboyant i suppose and there's no doubt the booze is often free so so that encourages people to drink more and drugs there's there's yeah, a, oh, yeah you know, absolutely especially with the, the music bands, i did yeah. uh, uh one podcast a couple podcasts with a couple musicians uh west gear who was the uh guitars for corn for mm -hmm. a while um and he started a group out here called rock to recovery i don't know if you've heard of that oh, okay um but rock to recovery is a uh, a group he started that basically brings music to rehab so they will oh, wow. uh, they're all professional musicians and so uh, they'll go to a rehab they'll write songs with uh with clients they'll perform them with the clients um and, and that power of music it's all it's awesome you know mm, yeah and and it's interesting as well you know on that same note that um i've i've spoken to people who are you know creatives whether in the music business or, or whatever and they're they're really scared that if they stop drinking or taking drugs they'll lose their creativity and actually the opposite is true but it's interesting isn't it how there's that perception that that it was the booze or the drugs that made them creative. Yeah. I mean, no. The LSD, <laughs> it will expand your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so George Michael, huh? I haven't heard that name in a yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just did um, a documentary for ABC television. Um, they're making a documentary about George, one of these kind of profile pieces. So after, I was just interviewed for that the other day. I don't know when it's out, but um, yeah, just talking about the early uh, Wham days. Yeah. He passed away, right? He did. Yeah. Hugely sad. Really hugely sad. Yeah. Well, let everybody know where they can uh, reach out to you if, if you'd like. Sure. Uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, you can find me at, um, well, the, the site is thesoberclub.com and you can find me on any social media, just at Janie Lee Grace, uh, Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm hoping at some point, I'd love to come out to the States and do something over there. Um, so if I finally make it, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call. Definitely. Um, it would just be great. I was meant to come out to, uh, to do something with um, Annie Grace a couple of years ago and then COVID hit. So of course it didn't happen. But, you know, one day. Is there something that you want to talk about that we haven't? This is worth doing. This is the best thing you'll ever do for your health and well-being. So, you know, I would just really encourage people to try and quickly get through that kind of, oh, I've got to do it phase and, and look for how great life is going to be when you actually do. Um, I don't think there's enough of that positivity out there. Um, I don't know about in the States, but certainly in the UK, in the medical profession, um, it really, nobody offers anyone that kind of answer. You know, if you go to the, the GP or um, to a therapist or a practitioner, you would typically, you know, you might typically say, you know, I'm kind of worried about my drinking. And of course that takes a lot to admit that. Um, and, and then they'll usually assess, well, okay, well, are you at rock bottom? And of course, if you are, they would signpost to, to rehab services or whatever. But if you're someone like me who was not at rock bottom, but was definitely drinking too much, then the answer will usually be, well, you know, just, uh, just monitor, you know, monitor your drinking and moderate. Yeah. Cut down, have an alcohol free day, have a glass of water. Like, like I didn't, hadn't thought of that, you know? Um, so it's almost like, well, how can I help you to make alcohol fit your life on account of we all drink, right? <laughs> Whereas what they should be saying is, um, wow, I'm so glad you come to that realization. Fantastic. You know, listen to this podcast, read this book, you know, do this, focus on living, living your best life without any booze. Um, that message is the one that needs to be shared. Yeah. I think alcohol abuse, um, is probably one of the most misdiagnosed, uh, by a lot of doctors, you know, um, yeah. and especially if you look at different age ranges, you know, like the elderly and even the youth, um, don't fit the perfect criteria for, for those things, you know, mm. um, mm. because, you know, adolescents obviously aren't going to have withdrawal symptoms. Typically they're mm. also going to have, you know, continued huge rising of tolerance. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then of course you've got the elderly that, you know, you've got all the medications and so there's yeah. no saying, what are they on? What are they doing? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it, again, you know, you're right. And one of the things that frustrates me most is that, the amount of people that rock up to a, a, a doctor with, you know, saying that they're suffering from um, anxiety, low mood, depression, perhaps women who are menopausal, you know, may go and just say, you know, I've got really low mood or I'm anxious, I'm not sleeping. They're never asked about their drinking. Mm. Never. So they're, and, and then they're almost always handed antidepressants. So they're literally medicating on top of medication. Right. How's yeah. that going to work? Right. Yeah, the biggest question asked, do you smoke? That's always the... Do the, I smoke? No, I'm saying yeah, that's here in the United States. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Oh, they're, they're last than that. They're last than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you were to want to send a message out to those suffering, what would you say? Oh, reach out for help because you are worth it. You're absolutely worth it. You can absolutely get over this and live your best life. And it's never too late. So do it now. 
I love that. I love your thinking. I love, I mean, you and I think very similarly um, because positivity is, is the key to this whole thing, you know? Yeah. And that's been the, again, the funnest thing about these podcasts that I've done. I've never had somebody come on here and go, life sucks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) not a single person, you know, I mean, nobody regrets stitching the booze, right? Why would you? Yeah. When people can get, I mean, I know it's, it is tough for people in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Um, But anything, you know, worth doing is going to be hard to start with, right? got to look, look, uh, look to the future a little, you know, it's going to get better. That's definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's, that's why the connection is great and staying inspired is great because you can just hear someone else talk about, okay, well, you know, when I got to this stage, I started to feel a bit better about whatever. And when I got to this stage, I'll start sleeping and, and, and whatever it is, these little milestones when you can start to catch sight that other people have been there and done it got the t-shirt then you start to feel okay again because at the beginning you feel often feel like you're the only one who's ever been through this um you know if you if you're not connected if you don't have a kind of tribe who've who understand where you're at it can feel very lonely yeah and that's my and that's where you know i look at that relapse i had is very positive too another positive side to it is because you know i I lived sober for 11 years i lived a lot of drug years but before that then i Mm. had an opportunity to live sober for 11 years then i relapsed well Mm. if i didn't see all the great benefits and positives of sobriety which i had all of those 11 years i wouldn't have come back no exactly you'd have had nothing to market against yeah Yeah. i mean it it is a thing isn't it you know that that people say that, that there's no such thing as failure really there's only learning you know and 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 through that you were able to you know, be a much better advocate and coach now. Because I'm a teacher, but I'm also a student. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm constantly saying stuff to, you know, the sober club or even on my podcast that really I'm, I'm saying it because I need to hear it again. (laughs) You know, we constantly have to remind ourselves of this stuff, don't we? Well, hey, I want to thank you for doing this. This has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. It's lovely to chat to you. Yeah, this is great. I like I said, this is the first time we've we've uh, reached across the ocean. So ah, okay. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be great if we could do an in-person event? Let's visualize that. It would be. Yeah. I, uh, no I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of High Wall Clean. And as I always like to say, keep getting high. Well, let's do it clean and sober. Thanks.